Welcome back to Seattle Sucks, a podcast about hating the city we love. So, Brian and Greg, I've got something that I want to ask you before we start taping. Is that is that okay? Shoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not recording right now, Colin, so go okay, for it. Okay, great. Because I definitely don't want this on the episode. Um, you know, I've mentioned what I've been working on to people in my life, like after Greg called me out for not having any hobbies. And the thing that I've started doing they've really not appreciated i mean i've been hearing you've lost your mind this is too far even for you and uh somebody insinuating maybe i was like playing god which i mean like duh that's what science is but i'm still (laughs) not quite still not quite sure if what they're saying has at least a kernel of truth so just i'm gonna tell you what i've been up to and can you can you help me out Hey, we're, we're here for you, Colin. You can run right. anything by us. I live to judge. Okay, okay. <laughs> so as you both know, since we've covered it on the show, like just a little bit, but I want to definitely spell it out uh, in case, you know, you forgot. But it's one of those things in life where like, you know, if you blink, you'll miss it. Uh, and that's it this year, like 2020, it was um, it was an election year. Did you did you guys know that? Uh, Yeah. Remind me, were... yeah. Yeah. I think there was an election for city council or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention to yeah, such things. It was very surprising, and I I was shocked to learn that in retrospect. But, I mean, I guess there's always the next one. So I've been hearing a lot of liberal laments to the tune of, like, people are too stupid to vote. Essentially, you know, they might use a euphemism, like, uninformed, or they vote against their interests or whatever. But, like, really, they're just saying some large portion of Americans, probably the majority lack the necessary brain power for a republic to operate at its apex it's a real problem colin it it is all right so it's an election year and we know turnout was high or we've been told that and you both know now that biden is president-elect and that now i can lean into my new lifestyle which is how much i fucking love science so (laughs) it's it's good that science is back in office my friends is it not that's right that's exactly right because i mean i thought hey god is dead you know again (laughs) so stem cell futures trading up uh most likely i'll be able to pick the eye color of my next baby at a minimum um (laughs) three or four babies yeah the eye color right wink (laughs) exactly so that's what i was thinking right now is the time to create the supreme electorate, the perfect voter. Go on. Okay, so this is what I've been up to. I started with a little bit of sourdough starter because, you know, it's like cultured. (laughs) Then I added uh, this old library card I found in my wallet and uh, Uh Uh one of the print copies of the gray lady with, you know, all those COVID deaths on the cover. (laughs) Because I want... want I want the perfect voter to be informed, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but also know about our recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, then know I, the importance of the press, the press e- freedom. Exactly. Uh, the fourth estate. Um, yes. Then then I added some hot sauce, you know, to achieve a near perfect blend. And I borrowed <laughs> I borrowed somebody's notorious RBG t-shirt and threw that in for good measure, too. <laughs> Um, I didn't really want them to be familiar with television at all, but you know I couldn't help it, so I tossed in uh, an old West Wing collection on VHS, and then <laughs> and then finally there's a little bit of my own DNA because you know you just gotta put your own stamp on your your creations. So 
I know, I know this was a little bit long winded, but I've got two questions for you, which is, is this biological experimentation really beyond the pale? And Greg, since you come from a long line of bread makers, do you know why my perfect voter isn't rising in the oven? I'm I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong. (laughs) Uh, you know, sometimes uh, you get a perfect voter. Sometimes you get an inanimate golem. I don't you know. You just have to keep trying. It's uh, finally a golem that we can get behind, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this sounds great, Colin. And, sounds like uh, uh, they are the best of us. <laughs> They're the perfect voter. Cool. Well, and I think we can all agree that we fucking love science and we fucking love this idea. Hell yeah. And we love voting. Yeah. <laughs> voting for science, everybody. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of science, guys, <laughs> I don't know if you heard the news this week, but Comrade Inslee has shut down all of human movement in the state of Washington in honor of Comrade Stalin's birthday. Um, it's a dark day. It's a dark day. Uh, a dark day for freedom. A dark day for America. A dark day for apples and apple pies. <laughs> Those are, are all you guys? I hate so. How are you a coping? Bright day for me. <laughs> I'm coping terribly. My my butt still hurts where Daddy Inslee spanked me for being a bad boy. Mm. Uh, it hurt you worse than it did him. That's true. I I went out to get my paper this morning. Of course, the issue of the Seattle Times that's delivered to my driveway every day, and uh, I didn't wear a mask and. Uh, Governor Inslee had me drone striked. Drone strike. I'm dead now. Wow. What's well, it like on that side of paradise? Was it, re- was it really Inslee or was it a drone from some other partner in the Coalition of the Willing? Or whatever Gavin, the fuck it's called. Gavin Newsom flying to French Laundry. well uh as people might have gathered we're talking about the new uh totalitarian i think we can say with confidence uh measures that inslee has taken to uh try and combat the demic that currently uh we're told is ravaging the state (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people are dying guys it's really bad it's really bad but uh we, colin I, I think you said you you pulled up uh some of these because uh, i mean people in the state are are really up in arms about this and i and i think you had pulled up the new suffocating restrictions that we have uh yeah so you know this was yesterday um well you know greg few... i asked I, I asked colin to do it Oh God! <laughs> go on, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Uh, so yesterday, uh, with several like days of ahead of teas, um, it was announced. Uh, you know, Jay Inslee. So this is from uh, Jay Inslee's Medium page. Uh, Governor Jay Inslee today announced a four-week statewide set of restrictions in response to. 
the recent rapid spread of the COVID-19 virus in Washington and across the country. The new restrictions come as Washington sees consistent increasing daily case counts with over 2,000 cases a day over the weekend and an average cases in the state doubling over the past two weeks. Um, restrictions start taking place uh, Monday, uh, which is today at midnight, basically. Um, and let's see, indoor gatherings prohibited with people outside of your household unless you quarantine for 14 days prior or seven-day quarantine and a negative COVID-19 test. Uh, unless you are a business uh, doing work. <laughs> Let's make that very clear. Uh, restaurants and bars closed for indoor service, outdoor dining and to-go service permitted following current guidelines. Table size limited to five for outdoor dining. Um, so basically, we're getting back to the no indoor service which many restaurants had never come back to because there was still a pandemic on or had done so in very very limited numbers anyway it's not like it was like an all-out bonanza without any like guidance from the state basically um you know uh rest yeah retail uh that oh that all goes for let's see restaurants in store retail grocery stores and personal services are limited to 25 percent of occupancy and must be close and must close any that doesn't make sense um so basically like that's not even as strict a lockdown as there was like like that makes it sound like personal services. That makes it sound like um, that's like uh, hair salons and shit. Like you can still have twenty five percent instead of them just being completely closed, like they were like in April. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, that uh, my wife had pointed out when we were sort of joking about this earlier that this is all in for the most part the uh, level two point COVID restrictions that we've been under for months now. Yeah. And, you know, which raises the question of what's different about this, but also raises the question if grocery stores can only be at 25% capacity. Uh, I mean, just to use that as one example, uh, there's no enforcement on any of this stuff. <laughs> like, nobody's counting people at the grocery store, you know? I mean, they do it. I mean, Trader Joe's has never stopped doing that. Uh, that's funny because QFC and Fred Meyer never started doing. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all did. They all did only recently stop sanitizing your carts. Yeah, um, they gave up on that. They all gave up on that like two weeks ago, just in time for this to come back. And I'm sure, I'm guessing they're going to start again. Um, but uh, no, Trader Joe's never stopped counting. Um, but they did start, and then okay, next next uh, bullet here religious services so um limited to 25 percent occupancy or no more than 200 people no choir band or ensemble performances but soloists are permitted no congregational singing no face coverings required at all times um that that's gonna be a fun one that's uh i mean i assume that was also in the the phase two stuff right like 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that much has really changed from base. Like, basically, nothing that wasn't in effect last week seems to have gone into effect this week, other than the, the dining. That seems to be the one thing that's changed. Yeah. Just no more indoor dining. Uh, which seemed fitness. like an obvious mistake to begin with. Gotta say. Yeah, like that obviously is part of why we're here now, at this point. Fitness facilities and gyms closed for indoor operations. Outdoor activities permitted. Limited to outdoor gathering restrictions of five people. And man, if you are paying a gym to work out outside, uh, I I don't know who you... I don't get you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I love to do my squats with my large triangular ra- you know, weights outside in the rain. Yeah. Outside the well, And then pay, pay for the privilege? I mean, you can do that by yourself, like anywhere, in a parking lot or a park or something. <laughs> uh so yeah basically uh nothing nothing new except you can't i haven't fucking sat in a restaurant all year like all the restaurants i i haven't none of the restaurants i get takeout from have have started doing indoor dining you know i think i the far when you get outside of seattle i know this is not the case like they've all been Mm -hmm. open for a long time for indoor dining but like, how many places in Seattle were really seating people? I know that some were, but um, for the last few months. But uh... well, I know uh, outside of Seattle too. I mean, like, it's just a good chunk of everything outside of Seattle too is just not followed. Like, like is not followed any of the rules, right? Like, so you know, the fact that they've had indoor dining is not particularly shocking. Um, but yeah, it, it's this interesting thing because yeah, all the restaurants I get takeout from Burger King. McDonald's, mm-hmm. Carl's Jr. <laughs> I'll know it. No, no indoor dining. Yep. The uh, Interbay Taco Time. Those doors are permanently closed, man. They're welded shut. You got to go through that drive-through. Try to do it on foot one day. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the big question is like, so the current increase in COVID cases is the biggest since they've been recording them, right? And the governor's response, which, by the way, has been praised as, like, a bold response compared to other governors in the country, uh, is literally just uh, keep doing the thing that we're doing that literally led to to this current spike. Uh, Just maybe don't eat indoors anymore. Like, don't go to restaurants. Yeah, totally weak shit. Um, as it has been all along from the beginning, too little, too late, totally performative bullshit. I mean, yeah, it's good they're closing down restaurants because we obviously can't, like, it is getting people killed. But it's still going to be, look, uh, look, it's the same story we've told all year. This country, including Washington State, including Seattle, is just an abomination, uh, uh, just an embarrassment to the human race. We should all... We we all deserve to die for for this, so it's really good <laughs> this is happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's also when we talk about like outside of Seattle, like nobody's following any of these rules or whatever. I I don't even mean to say that in like a snooty way, like a snooty. Oh, uh, look at those people over their way. It's because of the sort of mealy mouth response, yeah, where absolutely. it's kind of like everything's just a vague suggestion. That by the way, after the governor gives the order, has to be interpreted through like eight different people, like you know, like. <laughs> Like he's some sort of uh, was it the the Greek prophets that were on the mountain, right? And you have to like send <laughs> yeah, an interpreter just to even like figure it out. So 
you know that already creates a problem then the fact that it has a million like it's swiss cheese full of loopholes right and it's obviously not working because everybody's well, and, just and still getting are, sick right there are absolutely like extreme flagrant contradictions yeah in the system which is you in your personal life these are the restrictions because these do not interfere as heavily with, with capital as do you going as would you going to fucking work which you still have to do which tells you you would you'd be stupid to take it seriously frankly yeah. right like knowing if you're just a person going about your day and you're like the and the really the main information you knew was the governor says you can't gather with uh, large groups in private or go out to restaurants but you still keep going to your job every day like yeah. you'd think well this is bullshit this is this is bullshit which is why people all over the country uh don't literally still don't believe this is real we saw that that tweet from that nurse in montana was it or north uh, south dakota, dakota south dakota yeah. um about like pe- like people die- like uh, with their dying breaths like cursing her for lying for like um uh gaslighting them about their own covid diagnosis and like how they don't believe it's real and like yeah that's what you get when top to bottom like this has been so badly bungled but that's the thing it's just no it's not really much better here there's this performative nod right yeah sure some places like in south dakota they never locked down even a little they never closed restaurants they and they said like you'll do what you feel and wear a mask or don't whatever um mm-hmm. which is yeah it's bad uh, but like this is still an embarrassment like you said i mean this is this is part of the embarrassment but the work one is such an interesting one just because everybody i know including myself is staring down the barrel of mass layoffs, right? And so it's one of those things, too, of like, uh, yeah, people can still go to work or still have to go to work or whatever. Also, if you don't go to work, just consider yourself pretty much laid off at the beginning of the worst economic crisis in 100 years, you know? Um, So all the pressure is on continuing to put people together in small spaces, right? And... You know, it's like, I'm sorry, like the the spread of COVID and stuff like that, like this continued sort of existence in the community and stuff like that is because we all keep going to fucking work and giving it to each other. Yeah. Well, like I'm working this week on a yeah. production of people coming in from like seven different countries. Now, is that like a major contradiction? Uh, not, maybe not in the, the way it is for most people. Because the the contradiction that makes no sense in most people's lives is, Oh, I'm told I can't do this stuff in my personal life, but I still need to go to work. Well, it's different at my job and some other people's where it's, you know, these lockdowns started coming down. And so they called the, uh, state film office and were like, can we still do this? And they were like, yeah, you just need to get, rapid covid tested of everybody involved and they were like oh yeah well we're doing that anyway great so that's what's happening and that like the last job big job i did everyone just had to get a covid test with like rat you know rapid screenings um mm-hmm. like the 
two jobs ago I did one, you know, it was like I knew literally in 15 minutes, like because this stuff is available and we could be doing that for everybody. And the people who actually have it could be quarantining. This has been the case from the very beginning and is certainly the case almost a fucking year later now. Um, mm-hmm. But when but it's only deployed in surface of capital when it needs to be because the way we've set this up basically denying that this is the problem it is while in certain states like washington like hand waving to science like yeah we believe it we're gonna wear a mask and we're gonna do some performative shutdown bullshit but you're still gonna go to work you know most workers don't need to get a test to do that um and they're not being made available in that way but when you want to do something out of the ordinary or involving people who matter um mm-hmm. you uh, as will once again my job this week will involve uh human beings who matter and is an out of the ordinary thing it's not like an ongoing concern like where the same people show up to work the same place every day it's people coming together for like to put on a little circus <laughs> it's ad hoc in that way um so you yeah so okay everyone just gets test and it can proceed uh but so that's where the contradiction lies there you know uh but either way the whole thing is riddled with contradictions that are just you know pe- that our people are reacting to in the way that makes sense from where they're coming from you know yeah and i mean i i think that here, I'm going to read this just amazing thing that I saw or we found a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is from the Brick Saloon in Roslyn. This is like right on their webpage, right? Right on the front page of their webpage. There's a state order to wear a mask. If you have a documented medical condition that prevents you from wearing a mask, you are exempt from this order. We have employees with this exemption. We respect our staff and customers. If you have a reason for a medical exemption due to HIPAA and the Fourth Amendment... <laughs> We cannot and will not question you. Therefore, if we see you without a mask, we will assume you have a medical condition or state federal listed exemption. The enforcement of masks is left, left up to the local law enforcement. You can guess what side they're on. And we will not be enforcing customers to wear masks. If you do not feel safe, do not come in. So anyways. Perfect. Yeah. This is Well, that was left this, open to them, right? Yeah, and this is the brainworm that was allowed to be created because of how awfully this pandemic has been handled and handled from the beginning and handled from the beginning, not by just Trump, handled from the beginning by every governor, by every public official in this country, right, including Jay Inslee, right? And it's because they fucked this up so bad that we're now in this situation. I actually don't think there's any way to recover this. Like, there's going to be no way to convince people to do what actually needs to be done in order to uh, stop this from spreading around and around. And the thing is, is like, why do the people in Vietnam uh, not equally believe that this is some sort of elaborate conspiracy to uh, steal their freedom or whatever? And the answer is, because when their state acted, it fucking worked, right? And you can't argue with results. You well, know, you know what? The results <laughs> here on the world, be, and nobody's dying. The results are are you know that's an epistemological question as well. It go. I think you can. I'm going to push back on that because I I think you could change things even now at this point in this country. Uh. If you, although it's not really possible, I mean, theoretically, like in a perfect scenario, if you had, mm-hmm. uh, 
let's say you we'd elected Bernie Sanders or some other detached detached political force, something not wedded to the political establishment. If Trump mm, was Elizabeth being Warren. elected, <laughs> no, no. If Trump had been elected in 2020 instead of 2016, for example, and was came in wanting to really do something about COVID, um, somebody outside of the system who and then did something and effectively like put real effort into things when you see something actually being done that has an effect like when you see in your own life like oh shit you know when in if you saw it on in every you know for every like uh neighborhood of people if there was a a pot um in you know in a in a week everywhere in america a pop-up drive-through testing facility popped up with guys in hazmat suits uh and you were told you you need to get a test this week everyone the whole country people would get the whatever they thought whatever conspiracy theories they might come up with and whatever fringes like interpret it in whatever way the vast majority of people would have a common undeniable experience that something was fucking going on yeah um no that's exactly the point i'm making yeah yeah like if the state had acted decisively had acted quickly had been clear about what it was doing yeah yeah well i mean you could still do that now people would have faith in it i mean it's gonna be so hard now because so much bad faith has been built oh for sure because of this right but that's what i mean even yeah even if a biden administration did that now it wouldn't it would be hard and you but it would still i think it would still go a long way uh you oh know? sure but yeah and uh yeah because i mean the so thing so is, muddled like, and confused now it's been so politicized to use that awful word uh it's yeah it's it's so many like elaborate labyrinths have been built constructed around it you know yeah, and I mean, the thing is with, uh, I, I remember when people were still passing around, like, you know, uh, the results of, like, the response in Vietnam and South Korea and China and stuff like that, people started, in the U.S., started to create these elaborate theories. Like, we all became Orientalists and were, you know, digging, what what is it about the Asian mind or whatever, <laughs> right? You know, we all got our calipers out. But the reality was, it's like, no, the state just acted decisively and clearly in all those countries. So people, you know, weren't, you know, people didn't have the time to come up with their own insane theories about why this disaster just keeps happening. Whereas in the United States, everything was muddled, everything was confused, and most importantly, everything was completely ineffective. Yeah. And so, and, and inherently contradictory. Yeah. And it, it is it was such a it's a repeat of the absolute failure of Obamacare in that you know Obamacare passed, everybody's health, you know, care costs continued going through the roof, right? Everybody's health care yeah. continued to get worse year by year, even though they had to pay more money for it. And then you had all these people saying, see, this is why you can't have state run health care, right? Because we had Obamacare and now look at it. And it's like it's it's the very particular way that neoliberalism muddies the water when they make decisions or better yet don't make decisions right and the way they muddy the water and blend the private and the state sector it convinces people that the state is incapable of anything or if it is capable of something it's only some nefarious conspiracy to you know steal your adrenochrome or whatever yeah 
Well, uh, like, forget actually doing anything about actual COVID. Um, like, we're not even going to do anything about the economic fallout of not doing anything about COVID, right? Like, yeah, I mean, there was uh, there was a, a piece in the Seattle Times about uh, restaurants that you found, right, Colin? Yeah, so Bethany Jean Clement wrote something this week, actually yesterday, interviewing a couple Seattle restaurant owners and talking about recent closures, relatively high-profile closures like Tilth, I guess, and Randy's. <laughs> uh, Randy's, yeah, no. <laughs> It's yeah. gone after forty years. Yeah, I don't uh, know what Randy's is. It's Randy's, a great it's name, down though. on no, it's down by Boeing yeah. on the marginal side. Yeah, it's the old mm-hmm. diner that's all aviation themed, like airplane mm-hmm. models and pictures and shit. Oh yeah. shit! I would like to see that. Well, too late now. Yeah, it was profiled on Vanishing Seattle, so you can go check out that post. Um, oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, live live through it vicariously there, but um. Most of the thrust of that article was definitely about the difficulties uh, all of these restaurant owners were facing. And there were two people interviewed, and we're not going to read the whole thing, but essentially they both, before they made comments, more or less said, I didn't really want to open, but I kind of felt like I had to. Um, so there are two there are two quotes, um, one from each person that was interviewed. So I'll just read those because they're very, very short. So here's the first one. Noting that no one in the restaurant industry has the option of working from home, she says, we really need help from the government for small businesses as well as for individuals. Uh, And then the second one was, the only part I'm upset about is there's not another stimulus package or more local government help, she says. A lot of restaurants can't get rent relief, can't take any more loans. We have not seen the worst of this yet. Yeah, and I mean, right about that. Yeah, and that first part too is, I mean, there has just been a willful like non-discussion of the fact that most people in the like who work can't work from home. You know, like their job structurally cannot be done from their home, and there's just been a willful desire to ignore that, or I guess tell people to learn to code. Right, was the Rahm Emanuel's (laughs) solution. Uh, 360 million coders, you know, that makes total sense. But yeah, I mean, you know, this is a country where an enormous chunk, the majority of the workforce is in the service industry and it's a face-to-face occupation for the vast majority of them. And it's like, how are you supposed to do that from home? Like if you're a bartender, how do you do that from home? If you're a waiter, how do you do that from home? And there's no consideration. Yeah. Not to mention also the fact that, with all of this growth in the in these um, service sector jobs, which has been happening for probably over a decade, is that the people that would be frequenting these places are all working from home. Um, and so now, like, and this is not a profound insight, but all these people who are working those service sector jobs are just servicing the people holed up in their castles. Mm-hmm. Um which is bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it get, it gets back to one of the points that we made when this whole thing started and we were speculating about how bad it would be. And, you know, on the, you know, doomiest side of our speculations was that this was just going to be an excuse to essentially, like, genocide poor people. Yeah. 
And I think what we're finding through all the actions of the state and things like that is that that is absolutely the case. That's why no consideration is given to any of these people. I mean, when we uh, interviewed Marina a while back and she talked about, you know, working at the bar, she was working at, and we talked about the service industry under COVID and stuff. Um, you know, it was very clear that the main danger was of restaurant attendees giving the staff COVID. Yeah. Right. And that, of course, as the staff, you have no choice but to be there, right? It's not like you're, oh, I'm here just because I love fucking, uh, you know, slinging beers that, you know, people, you know, tourists from Florida or whatever, right? You're there because you have to pay fucking rent and, you know, you're stuck there, right? You, you've essentially been trapped in this, uh, you know, death machine, this pandemic death machine. Well, yeah, like Greg is saying, um, the work didn't stop. And we've seen, especially for restaurant workers, all of these bizarre incantations that have been have been done to try to accommodate them from stopping. Um, like, I'm sure you both saw those tents, essentially, those outdoor mm-hmm. bubbles where you could eat. I mean, the lengths that we are going to try to keep these things operating is pretty absurd. Because God forbid we just pay those employees to stay home and yeah. pay like like yeah. Like what? every other country in the developed world is doing some form of uh on a mass scale. We yeah, can't even I, manage to do it and for I think that yeah, I, for service industry we don't really need to survive, you know? Like we can all mm-hmm. eat. People we can all eat takeout. You know what I mean? Like we can do that. <laughs> like the owners can come into their restaurants and cook it and hand it out to to uh people and the servers uh can stay home and just get paid to live because this is a, you know, a once in a hundred year nightmare that we're not gonna survive otherwise. But no, we can't do that here. That's just completely off the table. And the, it's so funny, like, we're going to sit here and talk about really, like, the relief we do want or how we're not getting enough. And it's like, it's so, it's like, it's like fighting over the scraps, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. also, uh, this week, a couple days ago, uh, uh, David Croman uh, published in Crosscut this piece on... Uh, the, the headline is Washington considers narrowing its eviction moratorium. You know, that very powerful and robust eviction moratorium that was really providing relief for Washingtonians <laughs> in this crisis. You know, you know, those what those what those uh, people who were just accruing massive rental debts uh, mm-hmm. after having been laid off in covid with no hope of ever really having a job again for several years. Um, what it's worth it's worth noting too that it wasn't that they just allowed the landlords to let the debt accrue which was absolutely criminal they allowed the landlords to start charging penalties on that debt accruement as well right yeah so basically you could end up owing 10 times your rent you know 10 times many people will because this is not going to be resolved you know people will carry this years down the road because it's going to follow them uh, after mm-hmm. they're ev- evicted, and the the landlord will, according to the law, need to be made whole. Yeah, you know, not the the renter who was kicked out on the street. You know, 
but God forbid, you know, the and and the and and the joke of it is too, like the law will come down on the landlord being made whole, and to that effect, the the renters who run up this debt will be hounded by it, probably, you know all things being equal for the rest of their lives, right? Like, because nothing really, we don't really imagine anything substantial is really going to change in this country. What's the joke about that is the landlords are not going to be made whole. A lot of those debts are never going to be paid back, but it is going to, so that money is just never going to come the landlord's way uh, in, in whole, right? But it is going to, ruin the lives of those renters for the rest of their lives right as they're mm-hmm. as as like their wages are garnished to like pay down uh the interest on this shit forever you know yeah or maybe some of them will because remember when seattle passed the the rent protections there was that clause that they had to set up a little slush fund basically for landlords to make sure that they were able to recuperate some of their losses well, yeah, I mean, the landlords well, will probably that actually just be. Sucks. Yeah, I mean, the landlords will probably just be bailed out. Ultimately, is what's going to end up happening. But that will have just like in the housing crisis, the banks being bailed out had zero effect on what you owed the yeah. bank for your house. Yeah, it's going to have zero effect on what you owe your landlord for your rent, right? And you know, the landlords are of course going to demand to be paid twice, and so you're just going to be forever fucked, right? And it's and you know, keep in mind. This is when the uh, you know eviction moratorium was at its strongest, and this crosscut article is suggesting that maybe that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Uh, so now, more than eight months into the moratorium, Governor James Lee's office is considering scaling back the reach of the eviction ban without any new federal resources on the horizon. And as the landlords bend under the pandemic's weight, a work group (laughs) of landlord and tenant representatives, I'm sure, is mulling whether to narrow the eviction pause. (laughs) To narrow the eviction pause. (laughs) (laughs) Only to tenants who can show their finances have been hurt as a direct result of COVID. That's right. We're going to means test this shit. Mm -hmm. Because... Uh, we're gonna so we're gonna make you jump through hoops. We're gonna make it just another thing that you just throw your hands up and don't even bother, right? Yeah. It was all you could already be taken to court and like, oh fuck, god damn it. Okay, but this ch- get ready for this shit. It's a change that could address some landlords' anecdotes of quote <laughs> elective non-payers unquote those who the landlord believes can pay but are choosing not to or in other words heroes uh <laughs> seattle sucks listeners perhaps uh because that's basically the advice we gave which is just like yeah just stop paying and and like roll the dice on that it's better than uh you know you know you're going to be out that money if you pay it right so yeah the adjustment yeah, if you, the adjustment if you know you can't pay just don't pay yeah the adjustment would also bring Washington's moratorium more in line with other West Coast states, as well as the federal one from the CDC, etc. Um, so, basically, you know, there was 
more of a blanket. Um, it, it was already pretty weak, right? The eviction moratorium, uh, because all it really meant was that like legal eviction proceedings were sort of slowed down, um, but people were still being informally evicted all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, just collapsing under the weight of not being able to pay their rent and just just instead of electing to not pay as the landlords claim just basically electing to become homeless um yeah. and knowing that there you know there's no relief they still owe the fucking money uh and now they're just going to take away even that from most people so that even to qualify for this you've got to like you know who the fuck i mean you know, whatever first of all it'll work the way all this shit works it's like it's hard to do and it's actually hard to qualify for blah 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 you gotta show like whatever i mean how, i'm glad it's not it's not that hard for me to sh- to qualify for like the um pua unemployment benefits i just have to check some boxes and but I mean, like, this is going to be harder because that's like a positive thing of me. Like, I'm going to get that money. These are the boxes I have to check. You know, this is yeah. like, how do I get this landlord to stop, like, threatening to put me out on the street when really it's not even that. It's like, you know, you can't pay the rent. You you feel like you start feeling like, oh, I need to get out of here because this is I'm just like. Like a debt is just accruing in a ma- at a massive rate, you know, Mm-hmm. God damn it. Well, and I think the thing is, too, is that it's it's showing that there's this fundamental asymmetry of power in the landlord-tenant relationship, right? And all these loopholes are made to further that asymmetry, right? And we saw this actually with the way the holes in the more you know eviction moratorium have evolved over the course of this. Um, at one point, one of the holes was, of course, that if the landlord wanted to sell the property, they could evict the tenant, right? And then after allowing that for a few months, they then came back and had to be like, all right, if the landlord wants to sell the property and is evicting the tenant because they want to sell the property, they have to at least, you know, like swear an affidavit that they actually, actually intend to sell, sell it. it. Yeah. Which means that all these landlords are just fucking lying and just say, because we know fucking landlords are fucking liars, right? Because why wouldn't they? Because this is about profit for them, right? So whatever the, the easiest path to the most profit is, is the path they're going to take, right? They're 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 parasites. The classic parasite, right? Right, and you can, and well, so the, yeah, I mean, the definition, I mean, that, you know, that's another word for rent, for rent seeker. Um, but the thing is, is that the this additional steps, right, of like you have to prove that you're affected by COVID or whatever, this is just additional financial output that the tenant's going to have to put out, right? Money they don't have by definition since they're already facing eviction, right? This is additional time that the tenant's going to have to put out, right? Again, time they don't have. This is additional legal work they're going to have to put out, right? Whereas the landlord doesn't have to do shit. So again... What the state is saying is that the landlord, the person who has all the money and power in this situation, uh, we're going to ease this process for you. We're going to make it Mm -hmm. extremely simple and streamlined. For the tenant who has no money and power in this situation, we're going to make this process extremely fucking difficult for you. And if you fuck up even once in this entire process, we're sending a sheriff over to either kill you or throw your ass out. And like that's the fucking reality, right? 
Well, listen, like this. So this is yet another like contradiction that's just being more and more pronounced under COVID. Um, who knows what could happen if, you know, a system continues to prioritize rent-seeking parasite, parasite landowners over people's basic need to have a roof over their head. Uh, you know, when you continually just, when an entire system just crushes people into the ground and holds, like, housing hostage over them to turn them into, you know serfs basically for their landlord um you know god knows where that could lead if that if those contradictions continue to build and i think the thing to sort of bring up too right is uh of course the question would come up you know all of our very right thinking listeners right or correct with, with all of the correct ideas are gonna think it's crazy that this clearly awful program awful on its face that's designed to essentially throw people out on the street uh it's crazy that this would get passed right and and i think it's one of those things you know that it seems contradictory to the idea of actually controlling covid right and i think the idea we have to stress right is that the whole response to covid has been a political project right in fact the non-response to covid has been a political project the project is to continue grinding the working class into the fucking dirt and to continue empowering capital. And COVID was instantly recognized as this sort of, uh, you know, a way to put that project on fucking speed, right? And to rapidly advance it. And one way is by radically reframing tenants' rights in a way that assures them they have none. Uh, the other thing, too, is that it's a way to eliminate what is seen as a large excess population in this country. But, you know, it's important to see this as a political project to reframe the power balance in the United States to make sure the working class has no power and the capitalist class has all power. Right. You know, we'll, you know, stay tuned. Will uh, mobs of angry renters uh, turn on their landlords and commit mass murder? Uh, who knows? Yeah, if only there were some historical examples of things that could be done that actually are effective in combating this menace that is landlordism. Uh, uh, well, listen, like, you know, this, all of this uh, is now about to exist under a new paradigm, right? Like, uh, it's Biden time. You know, science is back, as we discussed. Um, <laughs> also, you know, good, competent governance, uh, merit meritocratic rule, uh, you know, uh, the uh, bureaucratic acumen of the Democratic Party hack. Uh, uh, the adults are back in the room, guys. <laughs> yeah. Any functioning adult. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, um, we, we missed that mark. Uh, but because, you know, um, we've got like someone in their second childhood, uh, coming into the white house, but, uh, like, <laughs> so like, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be this massive test, right? I think a lot of libs are out there feeling like, oh, we're going to get this under control. Um, they're pretty stoked on that, getting that to rub in the face of the people they don't like or something. 
I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that's obviously not going to happen. Um, what we've said all along, like we've got Jay Inslee and Jenny Durkin showing us exactly what the neoliberal Democrat is going to do. And Joe Biden has indicated no different than that. I mean, everything I mean, we still, know. Yeah. He has no plan at this point for doing anything about COVID. It's going to be shit like this, like, you know, the bare minimum of like encouraging people to actually wear masks again, which done on this haphazard, like very like uh, culturally hand wavy way about like, come on, guys, let's do the thing we all know is right from the guy that a quarter of the country thinks is a literal like baby eating demon. Yeah. It's just, it's already so confused and convoluted and politicized. Like, but at the end of the day, you know, and it is funny. I mean, the people who like are like, it's funny that Chris Rufo and his whole family have COVID. It's funny that people are like spitting their dying breath like cursing like uh joe biden and like the the democratic hoax of covid that's funny those people suck but this isn't gonna stop just because the democrats get in there that's why i you know i was genuinely you know i know you guys were were rooting for trump but i Mm -hmm. definitely was like i really hope joe gets in there because I don't know if this will be enough. I don't know if this will do it. And I'm not talking about sparking like, you know, the revolution, but Mm -hmm. the thing we're really salivating for the thing that I really want to see in my lifetime is the death of the democratic party. And I don't know if this will be enough, but God damn, you're going to have this, an administration coming in to rescue the country from what has happened under, you know, the big bad Cheeto man. And they're going to fuck this up really bad. And it's going to be, it's going to blow a lot of people's minds. They'll, they'll be, they'll have their defenders for sure, Mm -hmm. but it's going to blow a lot of people's minds. How little a Biden administration does. Yeah. Like it's going to blow a lot of people's minds. I think, I hope, I don't know, maybe not. And maybe it's not enough to really do anything. Maybe this can still keep grinding on slowly, but this is a, a like manifold crisis. We are in and traveling down, you know? So like, and God knows they're just not going to be able to do anything. They, they're not going to even want to do anything. They're not going to show their fighting to do anything. They're going to be standing up there and saying we don't need to do anything. And I think that's going to, I think a lot of, like, I think a lot of Democrats are going to look at that and go, like, holy fuck, these people are abandoning us. And this could be, this could be a best case scenario, like a moment for a split in the Democratic Party of people who are demanding real substantive shit and an entire establishment and media class that's just saying no no we don't need any of that uh at a a moment of crisis where it can't be denied will that happen i don't know but god that would be a silver lining to come out of this fucking nightmare is the death of the democratic party that'd be pretty cool yeah i mean you know there's sort of a, a couple of options right which is that uh, maybe this finally gets it through a you know a large enough portion of the population's head that the Democratic Party should be abandoned and this is all a charade. I mean, the other scary thought is it could cause them, just like they did under Obama and just like Republicans did under Trump, 
to just retreat into complete fantasy, right? Uh, I think for very possible. Yeah, I think for a significant portion of uh, Democrats, right? Uh, COVID, the COVID pandemic literally ended November fifth. Oh yeah. And as Biden shows that, he, especially as he shows that he's not going to do anything about it, um, they're just going to forget that it's happening. But that's right? almost. I'll say they'll just become the mirror image of the Trump people yeah. who believe it's a hoax, right? Well, that but see that to me is almost the opportunity, right? The fact that the you know that the attitude was is so clearly like, oh, we've got this shit, and this, but this is something they're not they're not going to be able to pull it off. That's a ba- that is basically what Trump tried to do, being like, this is all going to go away, and just like was basically crossing his fingers or just believing that he was the center of the universe and he could manifest it like he had everything else in his life you know mm-hmm. and that's what the 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 dems are doing right now but they're not going to be able to hide this actually they're not going to be able to actually convince like it's going to still be present in the lives of everyone in america in a way that the 2008 financial crisis wasn't mm-hmm. um and this fin- this like economic crisis is also going to be worse at the same time probably uh and i think yeah half the democratic party at least is going to absolutely become just like you know the trump people and you know deny it all and they'll be the same it'll you know much like so many things were denied and shoved under the rug under obama but I think the crisis is bigger. I think it's harder to ignore and it ain't fucking Barack Obama. Uh, A, you know, uh, in some legitimate ways, transformational figure who was also very like eloquent and convincing. And you have who people were really fucking hyped about and did not want to besmirch in any way. And you've got now manifold crises that are a lot harder to ignore at every level of society. Uh, you've got probably an even worse economic depression, like a full-on depression coming, that we're going to have, like, you know, instead of, like, the the irrational, you know, incompetent, you know, crazy baby in the White House, you're going to have, like, the fucking Hoover administration 2.0, you know? Uh, just like, nope. No, we're just gonna keep on keep on trucking along here, <laughs> and and you're not gonna have, you know, they there will be people. The narrative they will try to use, and a lot of people will buy, was like we have we can't, oh we can't, you know, we're doing the best we can. They're playing chess out there. They've got a Republican Senate. Plus, oh Donald Trump could run again in four years. We can't, you know, go too far to the left. It'll scare off uh, all the diehard MAGA people who we need to vote for us in 2024 or something. Um, And they'll do all this shit. But like when it's not, when the crises are so much more visceral and real and you don't have Barack Obama there, you have this fucking doddering old man that nobody really wanted. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's an opportunity. I, I think the the safe bet is that nothing will really change. That like we will just continue the steady grind, you know. But I could see the Democratic Party breaking up over this, over its inability to solve this crisis. Mm-hmm. 
with a and being a party that wants to do that you know like at least a large portion of it. there is a split in the democratic party right like uh among people among its voter base people who want to do something who want like you know some kind of social democratic programs and people who don't it's not like the republican party in 1932 which was a you know uh rump party of uh you know middle class uh people who di- who were and you know business types on up to the millionaires who d- were just really did chop to bottom didn't want to do these things and we're not and we're like yeah well the economy collapses sometimes that's just yeah. how it goes and uh mm-hmm. that means we you know you liquidate uh everybody and money returns to its like natural uh yeah to its rightful owner to its rightful those, owners uh, right treasury like, secretary is found to saying yeah so like that was the republican party then like they were all pretty much in agreement um and now that's not what the Democratic Party is. The Democratic Party is this big coalition of people that has an incredibly wide range of views on this. And there's a large part of it <clears throat> that is, I don't think, going to be able to stomach just fucking sitting around. So that's the best case. Uh, not even likely, but just best case. Sure, yeah. I mean, best case scenario, I mean, one thing is absolutely certain is that the Democratic Party has to go, right? And so best case scenario is this leads to some sort of fracturing within the party. Although, honestly, you know, I kind of thought them I even more openly fucking Bernie in the primaries for a second time. I kind of thought like, oh, well, this should lead to some sort of like significant, uh, you know, detachment of this sort of like left in the democratic party and uh no all those people may have voted for biden i mean i don't know i mean every indication seems to be that all those people voted for biden anyways i mean there's yeah there's yeah but that doesn't mean the brain that, that wedge is <laughs> not deepening country. you know yeah yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the democrats do because yeah i mean they're gonna be facing this enormous crisis at the same time they're going to be compelled to use this crisis as a disciplinary moment, right? So it wasn't just uh, a coincidence that Biden said over and over again that he would never give people health care and made that part of his campaign. That was a disciplinary measure, right? That there's no circumstance, including a once in a century pandemic that's going to kill half a million fucking people in this country by Inauguration Day. Uh, even that is not enough to, you know, make the Democrats bend on healthcare as a major source of profit. Right. And, and as a profit center, as opposed to an actual like public service, right. That they won't bend on that. And so that was disciplinary. Right. And you know, a lot of the Bernie people went and voted for Biden anyways. Right. So obviously it worked. And um, I think that there's going to be a lot of what we're going to get from the Biden administration is discipline, labor discipline. Right. You think that you deserve, you know, a wage that allows you to live in anything other than utter poverty? Guess what, motherfucker? No, you don't. <laughs> you know, like that's what we're gonna get. You know, um, and it, it'll be interesting to see what 
Americans do with that because I don't know. I mean, so far it seems that there's no level of indignity that like Americans aren't willing to stoop to. So <laughs> it's it's hard to say. Yeah, overall as a country, yeah, I think so. But I think my hope would be that this mounting crisis, I mean, coming after everything that's come before with the Democratic Party makes it you completely uh, disillusions a large portion of it, which doesn't mean anything in itself because, you know, come uh, 2022, you know, it's just going to be a turnout thing probably. The, the Republicans will probably clean up. 2024, you know, the Republican will be will be running some psycho and, you know, many people even disillusioned by the Democrats may just have to turn out once again and vote for whatever shit stain they put up there, whether that's Joe Biden and the like uh, cabal behind the throne that actually like operates his hands and mouth or Kamala Harris. But if, uh, but if a bunch of if this really is like a disillusioning moment and causes the coalition to fracture up, and especially if that's seen in the 2022 midterms, it's an opening for uh, movements on the ground, like labor movements, like, uh, you know, unions, the teachers unions, especially to start calling and saying, no, we demand Medicare for all and start building power on that basis or something like it. And if enough movements like that start making those demands and are shut down by the democratic party well they may crumble in the face of that or they may uh in the dissolution of a democratic party as seen in the 2022 midterms you could that could be an opportunity to form a new coalition and party you know i mean that create weirder things have happened i'm this is again this is pie in the sky but you know best case okay well that sucked. Thanks, Greg. And uh, on that note, I think we're we're done for this week. Uh, yeah, I I heard though from a little birdie that uh, the annual Turkey Day extravaganza might be coming next week. It's the so only the- Thanksgiving that isn't canceled in 2020. <laughs> so yeah, so we all know that uh, for once you might not actually have to visit your awful family for Thanksgiving. Uh, but still, you can visit with the fam- your chosen family, us, on Thanksgiving Day. So get your hungry man turkey dinner heated up in the microwave. Go ahead and fire up uh, an episode of Seattle Sucks, and we'll all sit down at the table and have a, a wonderful Thanksgiving together. With that, we will say uh, goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye.